0: AMAR Safety over 30 years of better brands and better service with the widest choice of PPE. Welcome to Tradies News in a Nutshell.
1: Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Trade News in a Nutshell for your Wednesday morning, middle of the week. It is Wednesday, the eighteenth of October, two thousand and twenty-three. Daniel Pedgrew back with you over the next hour, broadcasting through SEN eleven seventy AM in Sydney, SENQ six nine three AM in Brisbane, and SEN sixteen twenty AM on the Gold Coast. One 1170 our open line number. You can text 0457 736, 736 And that's all before breakfast for listeners through SEN 1170 AM to Sydney with James Magnuson and Brandy this morning. The Missile and Brandy for breakfast. we we'll off for a couple of weeks. And Pat and Heels uh, along at 6 AM local time, of course. Queensland, this is you'll take the first hour of Miss Ole and Brandy, and then Patton heels along in a couple of hours' time. A lot to get through, a massive upset in the cricket overnight. We'll get to that in just a second. Eddie Jones, he's staying, we think, uh, for the foreseeable future anyway. We'll get to that. A bit of rugby league news floating around as well. And we will have a chat to a host of traders' news in Melbourne, Maddie Cox, in about 15 minutes about some of the big issues of the week. And speaking of cricket, Paul Dennett, our cricket expert, will be on the line in just over half an hour's time to have a chat about all things cricket, of course. Australia getting the win yesterday and they're in action again on Friday uh, against Pakistan. So a lot to get through this morning. 0457 736, 736 our text number. Or you can call 1300 01 11 70 it's two past five, two past four in Queensland. The hot topic, thanks to Rheem. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a Rheem. Yeah, except nothing less than Australia's best and install a Rheem, Australia's favourite hot water. Before we get to Eddie Jones and a bit of rugby league news, I mentioned a massive upset at the cricket. And we were talking on Monday morning about upsets when Afghanistan beat England. I think this is a bigger upset. In the cricket, rain was uh, play was delayed uh, because of rain at the start of play between South Africa and the Netherlands. However, the Netherlands batted first. Of 43 overs, they made 8 for 245. South Africa all out in reply for 207. The Netherlands winning by 38 runs. Quite an unbelievable result, considering South Africa, you would probably think would be one of the contenders in this year's World Cup. We'll ask Paul about it when we speak to him a bit later on. It was a shorted match, as I say, due to rain. At one stage, I think South Africa were about five for 80 odd. They ended up making 207, but the Netherlands, a shock victory. 245, eight for 245. South Africa, all out for 207. So... Over the past couple of days, of course, we had Australia win. But other than that, a couple of really big upsets in the Cricket World Cup, which has probably, I think, made people a little more interested in it. We're still very early on in this World Cup. We're still over a month away, just over a month away until the World Cup final, which takes place on the 19th of November. But well done to the Netherlands. A big upset against South Africa. A huge upset against South Africa. Uh, overnight in the Cricket World Cup, as I say, we'll speak to Paul more about that a bit later on. The World Cup does continue tonight. Speaking of Afghanistan, they're in action again against New Zealand, and that'll be at seven thirty tonight. Did you see any of that cricket match between the Netherlands and South Africa? As I say, we'll speak to Paul about that shortly. 0457 736, 736 or one 1170 Now let's get to some of the news of the day, Eddie Jones. Seems like he's staying, at least for now. He's again emphatically denied he is the candidate to be the head coach of Japan, the next head coach of Japan. And it was an interesting one yesterday. He was due to front the media at Coogee Oval at 9.30. Press conference started early, around 9.25. He was asked whether he'd been in contact specifically with any third parties, such as recruitment agencies or anything else. And he said, not that he is aware of. And when asked a few times if he was going to be coach of Japan, the next coach of Japan, he said no. And then asked if he was going to be with Australia, he said yes. But he did say it's not completely up to him. He said, I'm staying, mate. I've always been committed to to Australian rugby. I want to leave it in a better place, and that's still the job. It's not absolutely my decision, We've got a review going uh, forward, and we'll see what happens at the end of the review. So Eddie Jones says he is staying for now, but it's not also completely up to him. What did you make of that press conference yesterday morning at Coogee Oval? Do you believe, even though he said he's staying, and you've got to take his word for it, and we know there is going to be a review after the World Cup, uh, the poor performance at the World Cup, the Rugby Union World Cup, but from all you took of that, do we think he's staying or do we think he's going? He also said, I don't control the those things. All I can do is coach, went to the World Cup, came in a short period of time, had to make a, the decision on the team, made the decision we needed to go with youth. And he said, whilst the results of the World Cup weren't the ones we wanted, I think I've left the Australian team in a great position to go on to 2027. 20, That judgment will be decided by the 2027 World Cup. He also said, we've got to do a review and obviously the results are disappointing. Everybody's gutted by it, especially myself. But I stand by the decisions we've made and I think we've left Australian rugby in a better position. He says he has not been speaking to anyone and he's got no idea where those reports have come from. Do you believe him? Do you not believe him? What do you make of Eddie Jones' press conference yesterday? And is he there in 2027? He says, yes, he's staying, but it's also not all completely up to him. Very, very interesting. There's also an um, uh, article in the Daily Telegraph today saying that on April 5 was when Eddie Jones first suggested, suggested he wouldn't be Wallaby's coach beyond this World Cup couple months into the job, Jones held a coaching clinic for young players at the Manly Savers Club and asked the group and their parents, anybody have any idea who I should pick for the World Cup? Because I've got no idea. Uh, one of them mentioned Michael Hooper. Then Eddie said to us, yeah, I've got some decisions to make. I've got to select a team through to the World Cup and that's it. I'm moving on. And then uh, the article t- continues to say, did he just say he's leaving after the World Cup? I thought he had a contract. And then, of course, we know what reports emerged uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Thoughts on Eddie Jones? Oh, four five seven seven three six seven three six or 1300 one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. He was a bit prickly yesterday at the press conference. Probably uh, no real surprise there. What do we reckon? Uh, look, you've got to take him at his word, and he may well be there in twenty twenty seven. And imagine, just imagine, if he could turn things around. But there's a long way between now and then. And there's a long time between now and then as well. We will see what happens. Look, there's a bit of news about Josh Adokar and the Bulldogs we'll get to shortly as well. But I just wanted to get to this before a break. The Charity Shield, uh, the annual match between South Sydney and the Dragons, uh, headed to Sydney for the first time in seven years. So either the stadium at Coltora Wing Jubilee or Wollongong's Wind Stadium, the preferred venues for the pre-season fixture, most likely to be held on the 17th of February. The Charity Shield has never been played at Jubilee Stadium in the 41-year history of the pre-season contest. Dragons coach Shane Flanagan has made no secret of his desire for the club to embrace their heartland of St. George and the Charity Shield would leave a brilliant mark. So uh, we will see this moved away from Mudgee for the first time since 2018. We know the Rabideaus are going to be taking part in in the Vegas, one of the Vegas games as well, only a couple of weeks after the Charity Shield, which probably has made this decision as well, at least been part of this decision. Um, hopefully, though, uh, the NRL, who are in the process of constructing the 2024 season draw, which it, the hope will be is that it will be out in about a month's time, mid to late November. Um, even though Maggi loses this game, there is hope that it will be replaced by an NRL game proper, which I think is only fair. Uh, We talk about this throughout the year at various times that playing games in the country, we saw the Tigers um, beat the Panthers um, at Bathurst earlier on in the year. We've seen various teams take games to the country, Um, even though they're losing the Charity Shield and it's going to be played in Sydney or Wollongong. I do think we do definitely need to be in a situation where we see a game, an NRL game instead Moved to Mudgee instead. Any thoughts on that? Happy to hear from you. Any thoughts on Eddie Jones? Any thoughts on the cricket last night? A lot more to get through as well. But on the other side of this, we're going to cross down to Melbourne have a chat with the great Matty Cox, host of Tradies News. It's 10 past 5 in New South Wales, 10 past 4 in Queensland. It's Wednesday morning. We'll take a break and come back with more. 14 and a half past five in New South Wales, 14 and a half past four in Queensland. We're here for Red Smoke Alarms. Think Red Smoke Alarms. Think redsmokealarms.com.au. Red and a mere Safety, your Australian-owned workwear and PPE provider. And don't forget, Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American Footy's biggest game. What a promotion. Worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12th, and you're in with the chance. T's and C's apply. Plenty more news around that we're going to get to. Paul Dennett will jo- uh, join me to talk cricket in about twenty minutes. But now let's go down to Melbourne and have a speak, have a chat to the host of Strategies in Melbourne, Maddie Cox. Now on SEN, on SEN, it's time, it's time to, to trade, trade towns. And a very good morning to you, Dan. Morning to you, Maddie. How are we on this fine Wednesday morning? Uh, well, I'm looking forward to tomorrow, Dan, for two reasons. What's happening tomorrow? Well. I'm back in my normal
0: studio tomorrow. Ah, you're in a different studio. Yes, because of trade radio Mm. that uh, we have being produced out of SEN HQ here in Melbourne, everyone's Mm. a little displaced for the last couple Mm. of weeks. So I'm looking forward as a creature of comfort to being back in my own surrounds tomorrow morning.
1: Has that, not being in your normal studio, has that put you off over the past couple of weeks? Yes, I'd suggest so because
0: the screens are in a different spot. Mm. There's no room to put all my notes in Mm. front of me.
1: It's it's
0: very first world problems, I know. Uh, But uh, when you're a creature of comfort and routine, and I think you'd appreciate mm. that as someone working in radio, because that Mm. seems to be one of the prerequisites of the job. Mm. When
1: when you're when you're thrown out of whack, Mm. it creates all sorts of chaos. I expect I'll be having the same conversation with you in a couple of months' time. I just I just have a funny feeling about that, but least you're on air. You're enjoying your show, which is fantastic. Um, uh, well, <laughs> you're, you're on air. Uh, now, uh, let's talk about uh, something brilliant that happened on the weekend, and that was the Everest, of course, the seventh running of the Everest. Much attention in Melbourne, Ree, the Everest. Of course, it was a big day of racing in Melbourne last Saturday. We've got a big few weeks leading into the Melbourne Cup. A lot of talk in the past couple of years about the competition between the Everest and the Melbourne Cup. What do you make of it all being down in Melbourne?
0: There is more and more, I wouldn't say interest, I'd say a curiosity with mm. uh, with the events. I think because there is so much that is put into the marketing of it and no doubt it's it goes up a degree or two particularly in New South Wales but even down here there's we're we're interested in how this event is evolving what's making it so special and so desirable to be a part of and it continues to build and get better I can remember when it was first introduced and the the rivalry that it created and the the, the largest split even though there was already one existing between Racing Victoria and Racing New South Wales but we've already it's its like peeping over the neighbour's fence just to see what's going on I think would be the best way of describing it because while we don't want to acknowledge that we're interested in it there's certainly a curiosity just to see what is unfolding up north and I think, as a consequence, I'm not sure, and I'm keen to get the sentiment off the Forty Winks Temper text down here. I get the impression that the rivalry that's being created between the major races here in Melbourne and specifically the Everest in Sydney, it feels as if the The races other than the Melbourne Cup here have lifted up a notch. So the the likes of the Caulfield Cup, the Cox Plate, which has always been on a pedestal and in their own right, they've been one of the major focal points of the, the spring carnival. But I feel as if their reputation is starting to be elevated as a consequence of what is unfolding in New South Wales. And to a certain degree, I feel as if that's bringing the Melbourne Cup back just a touch in reputation as well. Again, I'm making that assumption. I'm keen to get thoughts not only uh, off my text machine, but no doubt yours as well, because it just feels as if there's there's a very slight shift, which was kind of predicted when the Everest was put into place.
1: Mm, Look, I touched on this earlier on in the week on Monday on the back of a massive weekend of sport. Now, I I still think the Melbourne Cup is the number one race. I think it probably always will, in terms of, uh, always will be, in terms of people watching it. um, You know, obviously uh, in Melbourne, you guys get a public holiday. It's not a public holiday in the rest of the country officially. But if you go anywhere, uh, most places in Sydney, Queensland wherever else in the country post midday on Melbourne Cup Day which is only what th- less than three weeks away now there will be places packed I know I've been to uh, function uh, over the past couple of years I'm going somewhere this year as well you'll probably say surprise surprise but I did buy my tickets to that so that's fine oh. um, but it does stop the nation it is the race that stops the nation however Maddie, I would say I was out and about on Saturday night in Sydney and clearly it's Big difference because the Everest is a Saturday afternoon and the Melbourne Cup is on at work day. But the city, uh, firstly, the Randwick Racecourse was packed 45 odd thousand there on Saturday afternoon. But you went out anywhere in the city of Sydney, the eastern suburbs of Sydney, and it was pumping on Saturday night. Like you don't see it as often as you probably used to. So... What the Everest has done for, firstly, horse racing in this city and also uh, just bars, pubs, restaurants and all the promotion for racing is fantastic. And I, I think we can live in a world where both exist and both exist quite happily.
0: Well, you say that, but I don't think we can. No, I can't. is this split and divide between the racing, not just New South Wales and Victoria, True. but... It, there's no you, you can't harmonise anything nationally from a <laughs> racing perspective, which I know is a is a is a burden for many, and mm. that has all sorts of implications across the industry. And I know there's some people that would love uh, an overarching body or a stronger overarching body that actually took on some responsibility and helped, I suppose, create what has sadly become i feel a niche sport it, it doesn't attract beyond the spring carnival and we know that there's the commercial interests that flow along with the spring carnival but beyond that unfortunately it doesn't get the attention it once did
1: and i think the everest as well if you look at the crowd there especially in the general admission area definitely aimed at a younger crowd 100 aimed at a younger crowd and nothing Wrong with that. Whereas the Melbourne Cup, and I've been to the Melbourne Cup a few times. Maddie, have you been to the Melbourne Cup at all, Maddie? No, I haven't. No, no, okay, okay. I've been a few times. Um, just a mixed crowd. And it's a great day out, the Melbourne Cup. You've got to love the Melbourne Cup. Looking forward to it in a few weeks' time as well. What did you say your crowd figure was again? Uh, well, I said without doing any research around 45 was I overestimating it maybe a little no, bit. No, more? no, no, okay. it's
0: just that's well short of what Victoria is able to produce in well, the Melbourne Cup. But anyway, well, we won't a, hang continue on, hang to on, hang on, hang hang on. It's
1: only because we can only fit so many in, but they are talking about fitting more people in next year somehow, so that'll be Remember. that'll be exciting.
0: Largest stadium in Melbourne, largest race course in Melbourne. Mm. I'm just uh, checking what else we've got here that uh, mm-hmm. sees us better. Anyway, trade yep. window.
1: Uh, that's ending tomorrow, is it? Uh, tonight, T-
0: tonight. Tonight. Oh, tonight. Tonight concludes tonight. That so is a all shame. the all the deals uh, mm. we won't get any that are officially approved until about three o'clock this afternoon, just yeah. because of a little quirk in the way the paperwork is operating on the final day of trade, which it has done for the last couple of years, but yes, it's been a, a very curious trade period. Sydney been very heavily involved early on and then they packed up their bags and left, it feels like. They got Taylor Adams, Brody Grundy, those <laughs> deals were done. And they were both required players that Sydney needed too to be able to strengthen their list. So a good outcome there. There's A curiosity still with the Brisbane Lions. Jack Gunston, will he move back to Hawthorne, which was a little bomb that was dropped uh, a a couple of days ago that he wanted to return to Hawthorne after switching to the Lions at the end of last year. And there's some broader reasons as to why he chose to do that. But yes, it was very curious to see that he was returning to Hawthorne or has a desire to return to Hawthorne. Gold Coast, they've been trying to get as many late draft picks in as possible because they've got academy selections that they need the draft points to be able to get into the club again. I won't bore you with the details for all the technical Mm. reasons for that, but essentially they need as many lower end draft picks as they can, which can build up enough points to be able to acquire the player. That's a very simplistic way of looking at things. And then we've got Jack Ginevan, who recently played for Collingwood in a premiership. Mm. Looks as though now he's on the outer yeah. after the Collingwood got
1: the deal done for Lockie Schultz. I did see that. I did see that's an interesting one. Interesting one. Yeah, it's interesting. We were talking about last week as well, following little bits and pieces of the AFL trade window. And if the NRL would ever adapt it, I... I still don't know if they will, but it's been, for someone that is clearly on the outside and doesn't pay attention to it day in, day out, it's been intriguing to see how it all played out this year.
0: Yeah, and it feels to me as if it's been a little busier, certainly earlier in the trade period than what it has been, which has meant we've had these little deals every day, not little deals, we've had something every day that's dropped, which... In years gone by, you could probably go a week before anything happens, Mm. which creates a, a bit of frustration. But yeah, this year's been slightly different, and there's still plenty of deals to be done today. Geelong, Port Adelaide, Essendon, there's intrigue around players exchanging clubs there as well. So there's a fair bit of water to go under the bridge as we head towards The deadline at 7.30 Australian Eastern at Daylight Time
1: tonight. And the morning you get the studio back tomorrow morning. So very exciting for you. Lots of things to look forward to. Pop the champagne. Looking forward to it. Uh, Now, round one. We know round one or part of round one in the NRL is going to be played in Vegas. I don't believe the AFL is looking to do that. But there is some talk that there's going to be a couple of games in Sydney. What's the story on this one? Yeah, this emerged earlier in the week down here.
0: So it looks as though, or the report is, that the AFL is exploring having the first weekend of the Mm. season held exclusively in New South Wales. Having GWS and Collingwood play on the Saturday night, Mm. Sydney and Melbourne to play on the Sunday afternoon. The week later, we're then going to have a full complement of games. I'm not sure whether you call it round one or whether mm. how we split it, but then those four teams that played in the earlier week will get a bye at some point over the first couple of weeks of the season. It's a very intriguing, and obviously, I think without the dates being locked in yet, it'd be some sort of well, attempt to capitalize on the fact that nrl is out of town and over in the states to commence things but yeah it's it was intriguing when this story emerged
1: earlier in the week well that's interesting so the nrl in vegas is uh, off the top of my head the first weekend of march that would be the second of march and that now that's what they're i don't know if they're officially going to call it round zero but uh, let's call it round zero because the rest of round one we played the weekend of the eighth ninth and tenth now Uh, uh, without doing the maths was how many rounds or what day grand final day is for you guys next year. It does sound like the first or the second and third of March, let's say it's a Saturday and the Sunday, is a little early to start the season, considering the AFL season is usually always a week or two after the NRL starts anyway.
0: Yeah, so this intrigues Hmm. this story even further, because if it's not to capitalise while the NRL's out of town and while... NRL is in town, mm. then I'm not sure what advantage is it purely we'll we'll see how we go up up against each other um, it's it, a yeah it's a it was a weird story and I'm not sure how it's resonating. Some people like it because it's a different idea and there's some rivalries between the two teams that are scheduled to play off against each other for obvious reasons. the preliminary final between the Giants and Collingwood that we had here and then the the Sydney and Melbourne match there's some exchanges of Brody Grundy being the biggest one of them uh, a part of that so I wonder whether it's just an attempt to gain some further interest in New South Wales but if it's if it's not in that window where NRL is out of town then it makes me scratch my head a little bit more.
1: I, I suppose the only thing is if they were going to do it on the weekend that the official round one of the NRL started. So you had six games. Obviously you've got the two games in Vegas the week before there would be limited. I'm sure there would be games in Sydney, but obviously with six games, there would be limited games in Sydney, but you would still expect there to be at least one, maybe two. So, yeah, a bit of a weird one, but it is that does sound like the same premise as what's happening in the NRL uh, with two games uh, in the weekend before round one of the NRL, and then we have the rest of round one. Just intriguing. I kind of understand it from an NRL point of view, having to do that being played in Vegas. You can't expect uh, the whole round to be played in Vegas because then the travelling but yeah, from Sydney to Sydney, I don't know. Interesting, interesting to see if it is that weekend where the NRL does resume their round one, where there's six games, and maybe obviously going to be some games in Brisbane, potentially Melbourne, potentially New Zealand, which does open the Sydney market open uh, open up the Sydney market a little more. But yeah, still a weird one for me, Matty.
0: And it's not the only thing that you guys seem to be changing heading towards 2024, is it?
1: Uh, no. So we're looking at um, the five-minute sin bin. So in the NRL, and we will not I won't go into all these details, but for many, many years, we've had a sin bin and we've had a send-off. The sin bin would be 10 minutes. The send-off uh, would be obviously for the rest of the match. Back in 1991, which I do not remember, but they got rid of the five-minute sin bin and now reports over the last 24 or 48 hours that the NRL and the ARLC and the clubs are considering bringing back the five-minute sin bin because we're in a situation at the moment, and probably this season just gone has highlighted it, but there has been talk about this over the past two or three years about we are using the sin bin, and sometimes they use the sin bin correctly, and sometimes there are things that players do that you think uh, probably doesn't deserve to be 10 minutes my problem with this, and it probably won't be the only rule change if it does go through. We do like to change the rules in the NRL. But my problem with this is that it's very hard. Unless there, and Greg Alexander said this on the breakfast show yesterday with Vossi. You would need to have set rules going into a game about what is a five-minute sin bin and what is a ten-minute sin bin. Because if you start to leave it down to the referee on the field, there's going to be so much controversy, which I think is – what uh, the NRL is trying to avoid. It's the complete opposite of what the NRL want uh, is controversy. But, Manny, just a really quick question. Does the AFL change rules every year or is it just an NRL thing? And I know, look, the rules that change in the NRL are not massive. They're not going to change the game completely. But the NRL love tweaking rules. Does this happen in the AFL? Uh it's a varying
0: degree. Some years there will be different rules put into place. A couple of years ago we had the six-six-six, which was having six players in designated parts of the ground. Every time we reset after a goal, that was brought into place. The standing on the mark rule, which meant that you couldn't move to try and thwart an, an attack on an angle, um, that came into play. But in, in recent years there's more been... Subtle changes to the way rules are interpreted, which mm. creates frustration for us in our game down here. So, it yeah, depends on, on the year. The, the murmuring's heading towards 2024. I think we're going to be looking at our interchange situation again this year. We had the sub that was implemented, which could be used as a tactical and medical sub. That changed... After last year where it was purely a medical substitution and that changed from the year before where we had no substitution after having one about a decade ago. Mm. So I think they're going to investigate again what the appetite is to potentially go from having a sub as essentially a, a fifth person on the bench to having five players available on the bench to be used at any time. I think that's going to be explored in the summer.
1: Yeah, we love changing rules that are in the field of play. And sometimes we actually change them mid-season. That doesn't even stop us. Uh, I do have one final question for you, Matty. Has Eddie Jones been making any news uh, in Melbourne over the past 24 or so hours?
0: He has, but I almost <laughs> feel we're a bit fatigued with the with this ongoing... I'm going to call it a saga now, Dan. Uh, it's, it's Big it's word. Such, it's such a distraction mm. what's going on now, and rather than actually talking about the issues with rugby in this country, we're talking about a head coach which we don't even know that will be there in a month's time. And no. I I know he had a press conference yesterday and he reiterated his commitment to staying on with the with the Wallabies, but there was. Some language that I picked up re- uh-huh. regarding how he's left things heading towards 2027. Well, there's no guarantee that he's going to be there in 2027. That's what I gleaned out of that comment in particular. But it, it it is such a... Well, I think it sums up the state of play for rugby as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. What is it? Two wins from nine matches yep. this year for the Wallabies when Eddie Jones was supposed to turn things around after they threw everyone out and and tried to uh, bring in some success and then changed it again went towards a youth policy and that's clearly worked because now they're all pointing to the fact that the development underneath is not there to be able to progress Uh,
1: it's Yeah, it's a saga. It's a saga. No guarantee that he'll be there, even though he did say you're 100% right. Look, he said he's not been speaking to Japan Rugby, and he will be there. But it's also not completely all up to him. There'll be a review, and there's other things going on. Look, from what I got from that press conference, and I suppose you've got to take him at his word, but I'm still not 100% confident he's going to be there come 2027, maybe even next year, to be honest with you. He says he's staying. I suppose, believe him for now, but I think there's a lot more to unfold in this story over the coming months, maybe the coming years as well. We'll see if he's around. He says he plans to be there until 2027 in the Rugby World Cup. Let's just wait and see what happens. I get the feeling now, the longer
0: that he's in that position, the worse it's going to be for rugby in Australia, because Mm. it means we're going to be focused on the senior coach. And we know it's not always the senior coach that's able to fix problems that are now entrenched in uh, rugby, or at least that's
1: how it feels. Correct, correct. Going to be an interesting one to watch. So I suppose next week when I speak to you, Maddie, you'll be a lot happier. You'll be back in your normal studio and everything will be right with the world again.
0: So long as everything works, Dan. So long as everything (laughs) works. (laughs) When wouldn't it work? That
1: would never happen.
0: That's an off-air discussion. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) Thank you, Dan. Have a wonderful day, Maddie. (laughs) You too maddie cox in a different studio but uh still sounding very good uh oh four five seven seven three six seven three six or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy we do that for the makita XGT gt experience professional cordless power without limits they are the professional choice for cordless convenience unmatched performance innovation and power without limits we'll talk some cricket next with paul dennett it's 25 to 6 in new south wales 25 to 5 in queensland yeah, good to have you company. Just on the back of that conversation we are having with Matty Cox, Gary's text in saying, Dan, we get six months of non-stop advertising for the Everest. The Melbourne Cup is the race that stops the nation. Yes, 100%. Look, I still think the Melbourne Cup is the main race in Australia, but I still think there's a place for the Everest as well. As we saw on Saturday, huge crowd out there. Thank you, Gary. And a text here from the Big G. Uh, like the Oval Treatment, I start a new work roster tomorrow. What's going on? Uh, seven on, seven off. Uh, NRL clubs should be made to take one home game each year to the Country text you in a week. I look forward to that. Big G. Uh, yes, well, uh, oh, there's a lot of talk about that. I think most clubs, to be fair, take at least one game away to certain areas. Not all of them to the country, it has to be said. I wonder if that's something they will look into in the near future. Uh, keep those texts coming in. Calls 0457 736, 736 or call 1300 01 1170. Time to talk cricket now. Thanks to the Makita XGT. Experience professional cordless power without limits. <laughs> Now on Tradies News, let's get the latest in cricket. And on the line is Paul Dennett. Morning to you, Paul. Morning, Dan. Now, we're going to get to the Australian game in just a second, but what about last night's game? An upset, a huge upset in this World Cup. We've had a couple this week, but the Netherlands beating South Africa.
2: Ah, it's wonderful to see. (laughs) Um, The table's finally starting to take shape a little bit from an Australian point of view because we had the England loss to Afghanistan as well, mm. and um, yeah, things are starting to look a little bit more, uh, a little bit rosier. Uh, Netherlands—they're a pretty decent side. I actually um, cleverly managed to back them in their first oh. two games at long Odd, which they lost, and then duly forgot to back them last night. So that's clever of me. Um, but they—they. <laughs> they, um, belted the West Indies in the um, in the tournament that ultimately kicked the West Indies out of this World Cup. Mm. And they've got some pretty decent players and they've got to play a fair few games in recent years. They actually beat South Africa in the World uh, Cup of T20 cricket in Australia um, a few months back as well. So not entirely um, uh, off the uh, out of the question, but still a massive result for, for the World Cup and for Australia.
1: Yeah, well done to the Netherlands over South Africa. Well done to Australia yesterday as well, getting up over Sri Lanka. But I tell you what, um, and I only saw bits and pieces and saw the highlights yesterday morning. It didn't start off too well before a massive turnaround.
2: Oh, it's just a glorious uncertainty of sport. The first hour and a half or two hours were some of the more depressing scenes <laughs> as an Australian cricket fan. Um, and the group chat of my friends and me were, you know, everyone's bagging everyone. Um, on social media. The, <laughs> the whole country's written the team off uh, because... Sri Lanka were absolutely cruising. Uh, mm. They they got to bat first, and it's just, it was the same ground where batting second in the game against South Africa had proven so difficult for Australia. Sri Lanka looked like they were, you know, none for plenty, looked like they were setting Australia probably something in excess of 300. Mm. And it just looked like we were going to lose, um, and, and lose convincingly. And it was um, totally against the run of play. David Warner took a couple of really, really good um, professional catches in the outfield that Uh, I I, I think most players wouldn't have caught both of them. Pat Cummins um, clean-bowled someone, then um, got a direct hit uh, to to effect a run-out. And from nowhere, suddenly Sri Lanka collapsed 9-52. for They lost. And uh, what looks like a total of in excess of 300 was suddenly only 209. Um, And it had been... You know, all all the bad things that had been occurring, you know, we'd had a a review that was pointless, which then caused us to not review a later one, which was actually out. Inglis dropped another catch. Mm. Zampa was looking no good. And then suddenly, Zampa takes four wickets and ends up being player of the match. So it was an absolutely stunning turnaround. And um, at the innings break, it suddenly looked like, well, Australia's going to win this unless against quality spin bowling, uh, against a middling total, um, You know, I was hoping we wouldn't come unstuck, and and we didn't.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned Adam Zampa four wickets, Glenn Maxwell one, and it goes back to what we've been talking about, or most people have been talking about in the cricketing world over the past couple of weeks, is how important spin bowling is over there in India. Which again raises the question: Why didn't they take a second spin bowler, front line spin bowler? But they got away with it uh, with a good performance by Adam Zampa the other night. I tell you who also had a pretty good performance: Josh Inglis got about fifty eight not uh, 58 runs. Um, Disappointing first performance the other morning on Friday morning, but did definitely hit back uh, the other day.
2: Oh, yes. Uh, It was a very, very um, significant performance because uh, I mentioned that we, you know, we we should should be able to uh, chase those runs down. But Australia, after a very crisp start from Mitchell Marsh, who looks superb hitting the ball like I've never seen someone hit the ball before, Australia lost two wickets in the one over. Um, Smith and Warner out and out and... The feeling of, oh, here's some trouble. Mm. Uh, Labuschagne was actually then given out, caught behind. And we, for a few seconds, were three for not many. But he was able to successfully successfully review that because he didn't hit it. But then uh, Mitchell Marsh, having batted really well, ran himself out. And he looked at it and thought, oh, here comes our wobbly middle order against spin uh, in, in night conditions. And every instinct was there's a collapse coming on here. And yet Inglis mm. played, you know, had a little bit of luck early on, a couple of nicks, but then... Played really well for his time, um, 58 at about a run of ball. And along with Labashain, I think Labashain uh, wasn't a, a headline-grabbing innings, but it was a really stabilising innings and got us to the point where then we showed a, a, lo- a lovely bit of um, effort right at the end where Stoilus and Maxwell belted the ball everywhere to get us the win quite quickly to, to really take away some of the damage that had been done to our net run rate. So yeah, English a very fine performance.
1: Now, just looking ahead to the next match, which is in a couple of days' time, Friday night against Pakistan. Do you expect there to be any changes? And what do we expect against this uh, for this match? Do we expect to make it two in a row?
2: Well, I think it's a um, tough. it's a very hard one to predict. Mm. Um, I, I think um, Zappa has some back spasms, and mm. uh, that's the only bad news coming out of the game. That you, you mentioned the fact that we've got in with only the the one specialist spinner. Uh, and that was made to look much, much worse by the fact that Zampa hadn't been performing up until now. Suddenly, he was back to his best uh, on the, in this game. So, if he can overcome the back spasms, um, we start to look pretty good because we've also got uh, Travis Head not mm. too far away from from, from, re- from rejoining the side. Pakistan um, got absolutely hammered by India in a game that was, uh, you know, the biggest game of the World Cup in front of a hundred thousand plus crowd. Uh, Pakistan, again, has never beaten uh, India in a 50-over World Cup. So um, they're always, you know, we always say that they're a very unpredictable side. Bangalore, they're playing, which is usually a pretty batting-friendly pitch. So if Australia can win, mm. the fact that, as I said, um, there's been those two losses by England and South Africa. England actually play South Africa, so they'll take some points off each other. We could
1: suddenly, uh, almost after the next game, see ourselves back into the into the top four. Yep, going to be very, very interesting. And just quickly, another story away from the World Cup. Cricket in the Olympics in 2028. Are uh, you happy about this? it be T20 cricket, of course. you happy to see cricket in the Olympics in five years' time? As a cricket fan, I am, definitely. Mm. Uh, as an Olympic
2: fan, I think, uh, you know, I, I think I'm like a lot of guys. Like, um, I have this feeling that the Olympics really should be the... The for the pure, like it should be the preeminent um event in, mm. in your sport. It should be you know, it's yeah. athletics, it's swimming, it's uh cycling, diving, gymnastics, those sorts of things. Cricket, golf, uh, soccer, and some of these other sports. Flag football that's now <laughs> in. I mean, yes, we're gonna get flag football. like we might as well get Oztag in there. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, but um, as I said, as a cricket fan, it's um, it makes sense. It's gonna, uh, I'm not sure that some of the talk about or the fact that now something all these other nations around the world are going to get really interested in. it. I think that's probably exaggerating it a little bit, but it's the International Olympic Committee. They're so smart. They just love money. And at the moment, the rights for cricket in India, for the Olympics in India, go for a song, mm. all of a sudden with uh, cricket in there, they'll suddenly be able to uh, be charging a hell of a lot for the TV rights for, for the Olympics in India.
1: Yeah, 100%. I do agree with you, though. I think some of the sports that have been included in the Olympics, yeah, I take or leave, mainly leave. But anyway, uh, good to see cricket in there. Paul, great stuff. We'll have a chat probably a couple of times next week, and we'll see where Australia are at in this uh, World Cup. Thanks, mate. We'll chat next week.
2: Looking forward to it. Thanks,
1: mate. Paul Dennett on the line talking cricket. We do that for the Makita XGT, the professional choice for cordless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation and power without limits. It's 11 to 6, 11 to 5. Well, let's go quickly to the open line, one Chris from Rose Bay is on the line. Morning to you, Chris.
3: Good morning, Dan. I'm very interested in this Holiday Jones situation mm. because... We've got this idea that this guy's the golden chalice, the bee's knees of coaches. The world is clamouring for his services. What's Eddie's next move? Mm. And yet the reality of the situa- situation may be entirely different. Let's face it, we didn't do that well in the World Cup. No. Is he really hot, hot property on the coaching market? Will he actually even get a better deal than the deal he's got now with Australian rugby? Um because I, I just don't see it at the moment. I mean, to me, to me, maybe this is as good as it gets for Eddie now. Maybe that window is closing on him.
1: It, it's interesting, isn't it, uh, Chris? The big stories, and I've said a few times, the big, one of the big stories with Rugby Union this year was him joining. And then it was Joseph Sueli signing. Then it was our poor performance in the World Cup. And now it's Eddie, whether he'll stay or whether he'll go. look, uh, it's, it, it's a fair point. He only won two out of nine matches now. To be fair, I think Australian rugby has been struggling a long time before he joined, but is he the saviour? I'm not sure, and I don't think a lot of people are 100% sure at the moment. Very quickly, do you think he does stay until 2027 or not?
3: I don't know if he's going to have that many more options, to be honest Mm, with you. True. I'm just
1: looking at it now.
3: I don't know if Japan's clamouring for his service. I don't know if anybody
1: is. Yeah. All right. Very interesting. Thanks for the call, Chris. We'll chat again soon. Yes. Thanks, ben. Uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie Jones uh, dominating the headlines. Uh, football. Australia up against New Zealand. Underway over in the UK. Nine minutes gone. Just over nine minutes gone. And it's the Socceroos nil. New Zealand nil. No doubt the breakfast shows so will keep you up to date with that. Uh, Gary says on the text, the media need to leave Eddie Jones alone. Uh, the players are pretty average. And Lee says, just call it rugby because there is no union. Thank you, uh, Lee from Brisbane. Thank you for your company today, tomorrow on the show, Chris Perkins from America. We'll continue our search for his NRL team as well, looking at the Dragons tomorrow, so looking forward to that. As I say, nil all between Australia and New Zealand in the football. Breakfast coming up with James Magnuson and Greg Alexander. For our listeners in Queensland, you'll get the first hour of the Missile and Brandy, and then it will be Pat and Heels. Have a great Wednesday. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Breakfast follows the news.